KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. I mean, I would be lying if, if I said that it didn't add a bit of pressure. It's something that I relish, and it's something that motivates me to work even harder day in and day out. I- I'm super fortunate that I didn't start to feel that pressure until I think later in my college career when I kind of realized the impact and, and my difference and what that difference could mean for a lot of younger players. And our guest this week, Kelsey Colzer. She is the head women's ice hockey coach at Arcadia University. And Kelsey, thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for uh, for having me on. So we are recording this early October. What's life like for you? Where are you in the calendar as far as prep and stuff like that? Yeah, so, you know, it's been an exciting year so far with the students coming back late August. And we had the opportunity with a new NCAA rule to actually utilize some days in the month of September to practice. So, you know, we've gotten the opportunity to hit the ice with with the team a little bit. But, you know, now we have this dead week where they're strictly doing off-ice stuff, you know, getting ready for the season, doing a lot of team meetings, things like that, before we basically get started every single day next week. We start on Monday and we're on the ice six times a week, basically from now until mid-December. What first interested you in coaching? And we'll talk about you were a star player, but was coaching always something that you figured was going to to be an eventuality for you? It wasn't. Honestly, I hadn't given it much thought until probably later in my college career. Growing up, I, I had great coaches, but you know, all of my coaches were kind of like dads, you know, had had some kind of stake in, you know, in the team. And, you know, so I hadn't really experienced you know, strong female coaching role model until college. Um, And I was fortunate to have two, even three really great female role models throughout my college career when it came to coaching, you know, on top of great male staff that, that really showed me a lot of, you know, opened my eyes to kind of what that world is like. And it was something that I, I started to think about towards the end of my career as I was debating, as the looming graduation was coming upon us and I was having to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, but at the time, I was still on the fence when it came to like youth coaching and, and what level I, I really wanted to be at. And then, you know, this opportunity at Arcadia came along a few years after my graduation. I felt like I had matured quite a bit. And it was kind of perfect timing. Did it hit you right away? Like, was it a a match right away, you and coaching? Or early on, were you like, I don't know, we'll see? Or or did you take right to it? So I had a year where, you know, I wasn't actually coaching anybody. And so that was pretty challenging for me. I, I wouldn't say that it was like an instant connection, me and coaching. And I was actually pretty nervous heading into that first year, wondering if I would really like it because it is very different from playing, you know, and that's all the experience that I'd had for the most part, aside from, you know, coaching camps and things like that. So I would say it was a, a connection, uh, you know, an absolute love, passion, probably at, at month one, right? Like once we started games and, you know, I really got to know my players and and got into the swing of things, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. It was, you know, that I, I can see myself doing this for a long time. And you started the program, right? I did, yes. And I, I, I got hired at Arcadia in 2019. Um, and we started late 2019. And we started playing October of 2021. There is so much that goes into starting a program. I don't care the sport. I don't care the school. Did it help? 
that you are so young and coaching was so new that you didn't maybe appreciate the mountain you were about to climb, whereas if you had a little more experience, you might have been like, man, I don't know. But did it kind of help you that you didn't kind of know yet what went into it? Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. It is a mountain. And I do think that that helped, if I'm being honest. I I think I was kind of so coy heading into it and, and just so like, bright eyed and excited. And, you know, I think that really helped when it came to so many of the uncertainties. It was a, you know, I'm young, you know, I'm going to figure it out kind of thing, right? I'm resourceful. I hadn't been out of the game for that long that I could make those connections with coaches and with even players that I was recruiting. I think that helped, you know, with their experience and knowing that, you know, they had someone that could connect with them at a similar level. And so I, I definitely think that that helped with everything that goes into starting a program. Now, obviously, then there are some drawbacks to being, you know, rather young starting, a, you know, starting your own program. There's a lot that you have to learn and a lot of things that, you know, I think a maybe a more seasoned person would have been, you know, prepared for. But I think, you know, that youth and, and just that excitement really just helped propel me through those those tougher days. There were definitely sleepless nights wondering if I was going to be able to get it all done and and get it all done in time, but it's it's been an awesome experience and and I'm so grateful that I kind of took that risk. And that that year of kind of building putting the foundation in place, that's first year of covid, right? So we mix in, you know, oh by the way, a global pandemic. I'm sure that made things a lot easier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I had no idea heading into accepting the job, what was about to come. So I started in October of 2019. And I was essentially on the road, I guess I would say two to three weeks a month from October until until March, right? I had had so many trips planned for late spring, early summer, um, heading into that summer, which was really the most crucial time, just with the timing of, of recruiting at Division Three. Like you really start that summer prior or that the summer prior to, to player senior years. So, you know, in, in looking and in knowing the age group that I was I was looking at, it was a crucial time that <laughs> I kind of lost out on. But at the same time, everyone was in the same boat. So I I sometimes I I really look at that as an almost an advantage in that there were a lot of people that were handcuffed and were at the same level that I was at. And so I had that advantage to still have a campus that was open to some extent to, to show student athletes campus and tour players and just really get to provide at least some kind of experience for, you know, the players that I had already started building connections with. But it certainly made life significantly more challenging going through that building a program i would imagine you have already kind of built up quite the skill set of maneuvering and problem solving just from not even going into your fine playing career and everything leading up to it just in the the short time at arcadia do you feel like you have come a long way in a short time because of different circumstances as a coach yeah there's there's no doubt i mean you face so many new challenges every single week. It's one of the things that makes the job so exciting, but also a thing that I think kind of can burn people out at times and and makes the job so challenging is that there's not a lot of consistency in terms of what you're going to face each week. It's a new challenge every week. You have new personalities and, and new issues arising every week. And so I think having handled that, you know, even just over the first two seasons, I definitely feel so much better equipped to 
handle other issues that pop up. I, you know, even in the last year, I feel like I've taken on so many more challenges personally when it comes to public speaking and and just pushing myself so much further than I ever thought I would if you had asked me, you know, say my junior, senior year of college. And that's strictly because of the confidence that I feel like I've built in handling various situations throughout my first two years coaching. So you go through all this. What's it like the first game when you're finally behind the bench, everything else can be pushed aside and you get to coach 60 minutes of hockey? Yeah, it was it was so exciting, right? You have that thrill. There was obviously nerves, but surprisingly not as many nerves as I thought. I would say no more nerves than I felt prior to every game that I played as a player. Um, and I generally, you know, wasn't too crazy nervous when it came to to my playing career. So, you know, there were there were certainly nerves. I think the game went by honestly pretty slowly, which I think is a blessing because you get to kind of remember those moments and and you know, really appreciate the time that, that you had as that first and, and really get to relish in that moment. I can't say it was our best game. You know, it was a rather lopsided first game. But then I think one of the most amazing things about coaching college hockey is that, you know, you play back-to-back days. Most leagues will play back-to-back days. And so getting to then kind of soak it all in, turn around the next day and come back with a brand new effort. You know, we wound up in just our second ever program game wound up, you know, taking the team to overtime and scoring our first two, or I forget what, if I'm being honest, I can't remember what the exact score, final score was, but, you know, scoring our first program goal and, you know, hitting a a lot of those firsts, it was just such an exciting experience that first like weekend of games. So the first couple weekends, you're building, you're building, and then I think it was five or six games and then you guys get your first win. So there's the first game and then there's the first win. Like what was that feeling like to kind of see all that hard work and all that time and all the ups and downs? Cause that really kind of, I would imagine makes it all worth it. Right. It absolutely does. And, and I wouldn't consider myself to be a crier per se, but I was like near tears after our first win, just with the experience and the amount of effort that our team had put in over the first few weeks to see their efforts pay off. And, and to be honest, it was like the hardest I think I I've ever seen a team battle, right? It, it was, there was no, you know, we, we don't deserve to be in this game. There was never that thought you could see in, in their minds, despite the results that we'd had so far in the season. So it, it was just such an incredible experience to, get that first win and, and witness it alongside the girls that started the program. So it, it was a, a really, really special night. Do you remember as that the clock's ticking down, when was the, the moment that you started to allow yourself to think we're going to win this? Or was it not until there are zeros across the, the board on the clock? Yeah, it, it wasn't until there were zeros across the board. I, I do very distinctly remember you know, like the final five minutes, essentially, they had come back to tie the game. And then very quickly within two or three minutes, probably like midway through the third period, you know, we came back and and scored the go ahead goal. And so we had probably seven or eight minutes that we still needed to kind of battle through. And it was a battle. Absolutely. We actually wound up taking a penalty with a little under two minutes left to go. So we had to finish the game shorthanded. I definitely remember like thinking to myself, oh gosh, we've been in this situation before just with a couple of overtime losses that we'd already, that we'd already faced. But yeah, it wasn't until that clock hit zero that 
you know, I could really take that breath. I mean, they had with basically two seconds left, they had like a really great scoring opportunity that our goalie came up huge on. And then we got like a really big block and all in the last 10 seconds. So it, it was a nail biter till the end. When you're in the process of building a program and, and putting it all together, and I don't know that you've hit this point, is there a point where you stop thinking of the program as a new program and maybe some things and I don't when I say let slide I don't mean from a discipline or anything but just like that's going to happen when you're starting out that's going to happen did you hit a point where you stopped thinking in that way and it's you started thinking like no that this is not how we this is Arcadia and this is how things go was there a shift in mindset has there been a shift in mindset here in these first couple years yeah I think we certainly did have if I'm being honest I think it goes in stages Right. I, I think on our day to day, we certainly do not think of ourselves as a new program. Still, we have the highest of expectations. There is not a, oh, well, we're still learning. You know, we have juniors on this team that have literally lived probably every situation that we could have faced every adversity that we probably could at this point in you know your career. Right. They faced more than, you know, most college players have to deal with. And so having lived those experiences, you know, on our day to day, we're looking at practices We're, you know, we're working through our identity as a group. We don't look at ourselves as a new team, right? We have that expectation of excellence and, you know, that, that expectation of bringing what we've experienced and, and, and what we've worked through every single day. You know, when you sit back and you look at the results and things like that, you know, there is definitely still a little bit of thought by way of look at what we have accomplished with such a a new team, you know, having made playoffs, having recorded a winning season, you know, those kind of accomplishments, you definitely can sit back and look at those and and recognize how great that is for a team that's one pretty young and two just a newer program that doesn't have those rituals and and that experience. But from our expectation and our mindset, we certainly are in the situation where we expect the best. We expect excellence. We don't consider ourselves a young team that can just, you know, let things slide. And I think you need to have that mindset shift to take your group to the next level. So I think we've had, you know, stages working through that mindset change every season so far, um, in my opinion. And I'm excited to see how the, the team's mindset has changed heading into this, the third season now with Again, having lived a ton of experiences last year and not having too many new players, you know, we're excited to to continue pushing forward. Did you have a a timeline in your head? Because you're two. I mean, first year, you guys were only a handful of games under 500, which is really good for a new program. Last year, you have a winning record. I think you were 500 in the conference, like legit already. Did you have a timeline? Are you ahead of schedule or did you not think of it so much in those terms and you just thought of it, let's let's just build and let's what's next and let's just get better every day? I didn't really have a timeline per se. I think when you look at programs that have started within NCAA D3, especially in the last, let's say, five, six years, there's been such a variety of, you know, levels of success within the first few seasons. So I, I didn't really have a specific timeline in mind. I think it has just been a, you know, let's keep pushing and, and see how far we can take it. I think now having gone through a few seasons and, and looking at the personnel that we have, now we have a timeline of, you know, this is where we should be within, you know, the next two seasons. This is where we want to be 
you know, within our, our inaugural group's senior year. This is the successes that, that we're aiming for, the things we're reaching for. But in starting the program, you know, I think setting that, that kind of timeline for yourself, while you do need goals, I think it, you know, it can at times kind of, it can hurt your ability to really like live in those successes as well. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. Was hockey your top sport as a kid or was it something you came, was it a sport you came to relatively late? Because you grew up in Horsham, right? Yeah, I did. I, I grew up in Horsham, you know, still live in my hometown, which is just absolutely awesome to get to experience coaching and, you know, living back home. Yes, from the age of probably three, when I first started considering hockey, it's been my sport. There's never been a doubt. There's never been a question of, you know, is this what I want to do? It's it's always been hockey first. Every other sport has just been kind of a time filler um, in my mind. What was your introduction? You know, was it a, a camp or you saw a game or what? Do you remember kind of the, the inflection point with hockey where it really captured your imagination? Yeah, I mean, I, so... You know, growing up, my, my family was just big in hockey. My grandma was definitely a Flyers fan. My uncle played recreationally, and then his sons played very competitively. And so growing up, I was just kind of constantly around the rink, right? My mom ran the snack stand. So I was there every Saturday night for rec skate. And just being in that environment that frequently, it was it was kind of a no-brainer for me. Like I said, from like the age of three, I was begging my mom to, to let me get out there and skate. So from the start, it was... It was my sport. When did you realize you were really good? You know, I, I think I realized probably in, in middle school that I could create something with hockey. I think I realized that that was, you know, that was a thing that, that could get me to college, that could get me to that next level, that could, you know, make me a first generation college student in my family. And so that was something I think that that was definitely a, a turning point or a realization point in middle school. And then, you know, I think in my sophomore year of college, I really kind of blossomed and took my game to the next level. So I think that was kind of another important point throughout my career that that I realized, you know, I, I could take it to the next level. I could I could be, you know, the player that can, you know, kind of make a name for themselves. You end up going to Princeton for college. I don't want to say why Princeton, because it's obviously a phenomenal school. But when you were looking at academics, you talk about being a first generation, hockey quality. What sold you finally on Princeton and were there other schools? Are there alternate universes where you went to another school because it was a close decision or once kind of you dug into it, it was going to be Princeton all the way? Really, for me, I, I mean, I certainly did look at, at a few schools and, and I was primarily focused on the East Coast. I mean, for me, family is is a big driving factor. And so being within driving distance of my family was something that was going to be important to me from the start. Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm still living in my hometown, you know, and coaching and, and get to see my family every single weekend. So, you know, that that was a big factor. I think for me, in visiting my schools, like the academics was that number one piece. So I was I was pretty limited in terms of the schools that I was looking at. But at the same time, you know, I, I looked at a couple of Ivy League schools. I looked at a couple of strong schools for specific programs. And really, once once the Princeton coach reached out to me and, and I went on a visit, it was like there was not a question in my mind where I wanted to go. I, I basically like shut everything else out and made that my number one focus, my number one goal. You know, it's the only school that I applied to, you know, which I'm super fortunate about because now, you know, I, I, I in talking with with kids that are, are applying, some of them have 10, 15 schools that they're applying to, right? It can be a lot. It can be a stressful process. So for me, it was, there was absolutely not a doubt once, you know, once I knew there was interest on their part, I did everything I could to to make it a reality. What was the transition to college like? Because I mean, I think 
going to play a college sport is tough, and then you throw an Ivy League academic course load on top, I don't care how prepared you are, I would imagine there are moments where you feel like he got hit upside the head with a skillet. Like, it's just a, a lot, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, I've always been very open about my experience and, and my transition to college, and it, it was a struggle. I don't like to sugarcoat it. There was a period in time where I legitimately asked my mom if I could drop out. Like, I was, I basically told her, like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You know, and it was it was a pretty dark period in my life and and something that that hockey even couldn't seemingly like couldn't bring me out of and and it certainly helped keep me going because it was one of the only reasons I wanted to be there you know but I just I wasn't in the right program academically and like you said it was it was a completely new experience right I definitely had that imposter syndrome I had that you know you go from being kind of a big dog and, and, you know, your high school on your teams, things like that. And and now you have to adjust to being just another person in the class. And you've had to work harder than you've ever had to for your academics. And, you know, you double that for hockey and, you know, you're basically starting from scratch. And that was, it was a really, really hard few months, really, I would say that first semester. Um, and, it, and it came to that boiling point where I asked my mom if I could leave and, and she basically, bless her because it was, you know, obviously it would have been the biggest mistake of my life, but basically she said like Princeton is obviously not a place that you leave. So she said, I don't care. I don't care what you major in. I don't care what you do, but you know, you have to make a change to make yourself happy here. And, and so I did that next day. I, I went into my advisor's office and I switched majors and like, it was such a, a life-changing experience for me to, to just kind of get out from under that and, and be in a program that was right for me. And, and it freed me up to like really thrive in every other aspect of my college life as well, right? Socially on the ice, you know, everything that goes into being a college student, it alleviated so many of those worries and fears. And it was, yeah, my, I mean, my, my career took off beyond that. You know, I, I just became such a, a more confident person. And I, I would say it's it's because of that that one decision just to just what to did change you, majors. What did you switch from to? Yeah, so I, I entered Princeton as an engineering major. So did extra work to get into a program that, you know, I, I had no clue what like if I actually wanted to do that. And very quickly, like prior to even Thanksgiving, realized that that, that wasn't for me. So I switched from engineering to psychology. We need to take a break. We will have more with Kelsey Colzer right after this. This is one on one. And we are back on one-on-one, continuing our conversation with Kelsey Colzer. She is the head women's ice hockey coach at Division Three Arcadia University. Do you remember your first wow moment as a player? And what I mean by that is the first moment you did something at Princeton on the ice that you were just really proud of and knew you made an impact and maybe a check the box in your head that you know, we're going to have some fun here. Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, like my sophomore year was definitely a career changing year. I switched positions, which was, I I think a little bit of a wow moment to be able to completely change your position mid year, mid career is not something that a lot of people are able to do. But really, I think that that kind of, I was able to like find where my true place was (laughs) um, switching from forward to D. And then I, I think just, you know, some of the smaller successes that year that, that really opened my eyes to the kind of player that I, I knew I could be. But I think in in that season, it was later in the year, we were competing to, to make playoffs. We were playing Cornell, which at the time was a nationally ranked program. You know, it was a, a really, really strong program. And, and, you know, we were tied with 
less than two minutes to go. Um, and I remember skating down the ice and, you know, making a really nice play on a two on one. And, and we wound up scoring the, you know, the go ahead goal and, and beating a nationally ranked team. And so I think that that was definitely one of those wow moments to say, like, you know, I, I, I can do this, right. I can, I can be that player, you know, I can be that, that franchise player, so to speak, you know, within college, <laughs> um, you know, and I, and I can do, I can do things that I never thought that I could on the ice. I never had the confidence to do. So I think that was one of those wow moments. For people that didn't get the chance to watch you play, scout yourself. Give me the give me the elevator pitch of what Kelsey Colzer's game was all about. I mean, ultimately, it was size and speed and strength. I think, you know, I was definitely certainly an offensive defenseman who I, I would say one of my weaknesses was probably my defense. And if you ask my coach, he probably would have said the same thing. As a defenseman, I definitely lean more on the offensive side, but I, I was kind of like a, a freight train out there, right? Once I got going, you know, I, I wasn't going to let anyone stop me. And, you know, I think the skill and, and the IQ of the game came as, as I aged and matured throughout college. But, you know, it was, you kind of knew what you're getting day in and day out. I was going to take risks, but you know, I was going to make sure that they paid off, you know, so that was, I would say that was, you know, kind of my identity, who I was as a player. Now, as your college career goes on, you end up being All-American Ivy Player of the Year. Do you remember moments along the way when you realized other teams are paying a lot more attention to you? Like, were there moments where you could start to realize that you had obviously been at the top of the scout for the opposing team or they started doing things to try to neutralize you. And what was that like kind of constantly having to evolve and take on those challenges to stay at a high level? Really, I think that started in my junior year. You know, that was, I would say, probably my best season throughout my my four years. And, and you know, I definitely would, would notice, especially, you know, you look at special teams, power play, things like that. It was challenging to kind of like work through some of those double teams and, and, really find space for myself on the ice. But, you know, it was one of those things that you have to, as a good player, you, you kind of have to roll with it, right? And you have to recognize, you know, the other successes that you can have and how that can open up and, and help your team with success other ways. But really, I just try to stick to my game, right? And, and you know, I think, like I said before, there weren't a lot of people that I was going to allow to stop me when it came to like my size and strength. And, and you know, I wouldn't have considered myself a, a super fast player, but once I got up to speed, right, there wasn't a lot of people that were willing to kind of stand in my way. So, you know, I tried to stick to that and, you know, stick to that identity as a player, you know, when I was facing some of those, some of those targeted and 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 double teams and, and you know, just being the focus of, of other teams' attention. Women's hockey has really grown over the last, I would say, 15, 20 years, uh, but it, it is still on the upswing. And I think you are a rarity as a black woman that has excelled in hockey. How much do you feel yourself as a role model because young girls of color see you and just besides the fact that you were a phenomenal player and you are building a, a, a great program, just seeing somebody that looks like them that maybe they'd never seen before when it comes to hockey. And does that add any other any pressure to you in your career? Yeah, I mean, I would be lying if if I said that it didn't add a bit of pressure. I think it's something that I relish and it's something that motivates me to work even harder day in and day out. I I'm super fortunate that I didn't start to feel that pressure until I think later in my college career when I kind of realized the impact and, and my difference and 
what that difference could mean for for a lot of younger players. You know, I obviously started getting a bit more media attention and, you know, doing interviews and being the focus of of a lot of, you know, being the focus of a lot of attention was something that was definitely new for me. But I was fortunate to have had a couple of years in college to grow and mature and and be able to handle that with grace. So, you know, it's it's definitely something that adds some pressure, but at the same time, it makes it that much more meaningful, right? It, it gives you that extra boost, that extra push. And I think even now I'm seeing players that are more attracted to to my program because of that experience and, and knowing that they could relate to a coach on a, on a level that they've never been able to relate to. And, you know, really then they get to, you know, that then we're kind of continuing to promote the sport amongst minority populations and and they get to see other girls that look like them that that are playing. And it's just been a great, you know, kind of snowball effect, you know, I think over the last 10 years that has taken the sport to new heights. Who were players that you looked up to? Did you have players that you saw women of color that that you wanted to follow? And what impact did that have on you? Yeah, I, I didn't have players of color, not women of color. You know, of course, there were a couple of, of minority players in the NHL at the time. I mean, Jerome McGinley was definitely, you know, a big influence for me. And, and I did grow up playing boys hockey. So it wasn't kind of crazy for me to be watching the NHL. I mean, I've been a fan of, of just the sport of hockey my whole life. So Jerome McGinley was definitely someone that I, that I, I idolized. And, you know, you kind of combine that with some of the female, you know, role models of the time, Cami Granado being, you know, a huge role model of mine growing up. And, you know, you kind of at the time had to combine the two to find that person that, you know, looked like you, being female and being black. But at the same time, I, I never put too much stock in, you know, who those idols were and, and, and what they were doing. You know, I always just loved the game. So, you know, I, I personally didn't feel like I, I needed that someone to look to to say I belong here. I just love the game enough to know that I was willing to fight for it and willing to fight for my my, my place within the game. You had a chance to play professionally after college and I think tryout for the Olympics. And what were the things that you wanted to accomplish as a player coming out of, of college? Like were all these things, things that you really, really wanted to pursue or were they things that the opportunity kind of came and you go, wow, I think, I think that would be a great fit. Yeah. You know, for a long time growing up, you know, obviously that, that ultimate goal was to play in the Olympics. You know, then I think as you age and you grow, I think those priorities change. And I, I think having professional hockey as, as an option kind of helped to shift those, you know, those goals. So that was definitely, you know, with the NWHL starting during my college career, that was something that, you know, I, I now had as an option. And, and, you know, for me, it was a no-brainer that I'd want to continue playing as long as I could. Once the reality of what professional women's hockey was at the time kind of sank in and, and I was in it after a couple of years, you know, I, I kind of realized I, I needed a new goal, right? This wasn't going to be playing wasn't necessarily going to be, it wasn't going to be realistic long-term, you know, for me. And, and that's, I think, where my focus to to coaching really, you know, kind of helped to keep that passion for the game and just kind of transition it, you know, transition my focus in a new avenue. And I think, was it 2017 you tried out for the Olympic team or you went, you, you went through the process? Um, yeah. So it was, um, it was in my senior spring of college. Okay. Um, I had just, you know, we had just lost in our, what the ECAC quarterfinals. We unfortunately didn't make it to the NCAA tournament that year. And 
you know, so I was living my senior spring and then got the call just over two weeks prior to Olympic camp. So obviously had to kind of adjust my focus from being a, a senior in college to being now trying out for the Olympics. And, and it was it was a great experience. You know, it was obviously awesome to be able to say that I was considered, you know, amongst the top 50 women's hockey players in, in the country at the time. And and just to have that that opportunity, you know, but it was it was definitely it was a challenge, you know, mentally preparing for that in such a short amount of time and and, you know, being able to get down there and perform. Did having that short amount of time in a way, could that have helped because you didn't have time to overthink things? And I don't know if you're an overthinker like I am, but it was just kind of like, all right, got to go. Boom. Got to be here. Whereas if you had months to think about it, I'm sure it's possible to get in your own head when you've got when something like that presents itself. Yeah, I mean, I think there's positives and there's obvious, obviously drawbacks. You know, I mean, the reality is as a senior in college, once your season's over, you're not hitting the ice as, as frequently as as you were. And, you know, you're you're not hitting the gym as frequently as you were either. The reality is like the team kind of turns focus to, you know, the, the next season that quickly. And so, you know, obviously it would have been nice to, to have a lot of time to kind of keep my body in that tip top shape and and stay at the best. But like you said, I think as well, mentally, it, it gave me that opportunity to not overthink it. You know, however, it was a challenge as, you know, a senior at Princeton who's defending their senior thesis and doing a lot of kind of big things in, in the last few months, you know, mentally having to, to juggle all of that in, in such a short amount of time was was pretty challenging for me. When I was at Olympic trial camp, when other people were just kind of downstairs hanging out, chit-chatting, like I was upstairs working on my thesis, working on, you know, my, my thesis defense and and studying for finals and you know, doing all those things that I know I needed to do to to graduate and and to prepare myself for for that next step. So, I mean, it was certainly was a challenge. It was it was I think a unique experience that you know not a lot of other people obviously get to, to say that they had. But I think there were there were definitely some some advantages and disadvantages to to the short the short notice. And we should mention the, that National Women's Hockey League. You were the number one overall pick. That's impressive. I don't care what the league is. I don't care what the team is like. What was that like for you to go through that process and to to be the the first person chosen? Yeah, it was it was it was a unique process. So it happened in the summer between my junior and senior year of college and I had I guess I had just gotten back from, you know, a camp with with USA Hockey and I was, you know, actually on my way for a family vacation. You know, we were driving down to uh to the Jersey Shore and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, my phone just started kind of blowing up and and I had obviously communicated with, you know, with the coach of the Riveters prior to that, the GM, you know, so I, I knew that there was the possibility that I was going to get drafted, but I didn't know where within the draft that was going to happen. So, I mean, to have that opportunity to to go first overall was was incredible. And, and to have that opportunity to be a first again was was really awesome for me. And, and you know, it will, you know, a, a a rather common, you know, drive down to the Jersey Shore was was that much more special. And you know, I got to share that with, you know, my family and, and things like that. So it was it was really it was an awesome moment, but, you know, not one that I that I knew was coming. And overall, I mean, you, you took the Riveters to the championship one year. You were co-MVP in an all-star game. What was the experience like? I am sure a lot of the logistics travel and stuff like that were, we'll say, tough. I think a lot of people think any professional league, oh, it's got to be glamorous. And a lot of these leagues that are just starting up, it it can be very 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 difficult just the the day to day overall how do you look at the experience from the from that league i mean it, it 
you know, that obviously the, there were a lot of ups and downs, but you know, that, that first full season that I had was, I mean, despite, like you said, despite some of the logistical challenges and, and obviously it was a lot of travel and working full time on top of that, you know, made everything that much more difficult, but it was, you know, I felt like a professional. My teammates treated it the same way and, and I knew I had to bring my best and, and it really helped me with that transition post-college to have that opportunity to continue playing at a high level with people that took it similarly, right, at a high level. And so, you know, there was that expectation day in and day out and that you were going to be there and give it your all and do what the team needed to be done. Um, and so that was just such an awesome year. I grew so many amazing friendships you know, throughout that, you know, it made life post-college and, and post-NCAA career that much better, you know, and, and it was obviously, you know, to win the Isabel Cup that year was, you know, an absolutely incredible experience. And, and to experience all the things that I did get to to do that year, it was just amazing to have that that first year and that first experience post-college of, you know, what professional hockey could be like. And I'm excited to see, you know, what, what leagues continue to grow into and hopefully can provide that even next level experience from, you know, from what we had for a few years there in the NWHL. When you're done playing, were you okay with it? I know a lot of high level athletes, even if it's by design and it's completely on their terms, when you're not playing anymore, it can be difficult. Did you have moments where maybe you were like, well, you know, if I get in shape this summer and I can make a call or somebody's called me and said, would you be interested in X, Y, and Z? Like, or was it once you were kind of done, you were done? You know, I honestly, a couple of people joked with me kind of late last spring when, when, you know, those kind of big NWHL contracts were being handed out. And even my mom asked, like, can you get back in shape and, and maybe give it a go and, and make some more money? And I was, you know, it, it, it's, if I'm being honest, I think, well, for one kind of COVID almost kind of forced my hand a little bit mm -hmm. in that, you know, there wasn't a ton of opportunity, but two, like coaching, I feel like has really helped fill that void for me. You know, I, I feel at this point, like I've really settled into my new identity within hockey and I still have that opportunity to to be on the ice and, and put on my skates every single day. And, you know, I, I compete with my girls and, and, you know, I push them to, to get to that next level. And so that's something that I think has really helped fill that void and, and and bridge that gap between playing and not playing. Are your players aware of how good you were as a player? I mean, I, I think so. Um, you know, they'll, they'll joke with me a lot of times, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying like different things in practice and, and things like that, but you know, they, they take it really well and, and, you know, they're really good spirits and, and, you know, that they, they see it as a push as well. Right. They, I've been, just so impressed with with the group over the the last three years, right? Each year it's gotten harder and harder for me to like keep up and 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 do things in practice and you know make plays just because they've taken their game to the next level. So that's obviously something that, you know, I consider a win. You know, they can just repeatedly stop me with ease. You know, I I while it, it humbles me a bit, um, you know, I consider that a win for sure. How would Kelsey the player respond to being coached by Kelsey the coach? I mean, I think pretty well, to be honest, obviously, like, you know, I've, I've taken some of those positives and, and obviously some of those negatives that I've experienced from coaches throughout, you know, my career. I'm obviously an, an intense person and I, and I have a big personality and a big voice. And, you know, but at the same time, I, I've always appreciated when kind of coaches gave me that space to speak and provide my input and be collaborative. And, and so that's something that I, I aim to do every single day with my group. And at, at the end of the day, they're on the ice, right? They have to do the work, you know, they have to to see what's going on and make adjustments and, 
you know, so I, I try to give them as much freedom and, and flexibility as possible and keep the yelling to a minimum. <laughs> when you consider all that you have accomplished player and building as a coach, how proud are you of your career to this point when it comes to what you've done, what you've built, who you are and what you are for people? How proud of you of everything? I mean, yeah, I, I'm really proud. I think I never imagined what would happen, let's say, in the last six years when, you know, when I was a, a graduate at 22, right? I, I never would have pictured, you know, what my life would have become. And then, you know, when you look back to four-year-old Kelsey, you know, starting out, you know, we're just playing for fun and, and having a great time. And and I think what I'm most proud of is just that love that I've been able to, you know, that love for the sport that I've been able to hold on to and, and cherish every single day. I, I think that's, you know, it's it's such a unique sport. It's such a challenging sport. You know, it, it's not a sport that very many people understand at, at that next level, right, deep down. So, you know, to, to hold on to that love and, and be able to have that passion every single day is, is, I think, what I'm most proud of. And, you know, I think it's helped me so much outside of hockey. You know, it's helped me mature and be able to be confident in, in the things that I want and, and I need. And, and you know, as I kind of continue to grow as, as an individual, I'm getting married this year. And, you know, there's just a lot of personal goals that, you know, I've been able to accomplish on top of that and, and handle things with grace and, and roll with punches as well. And I think that, that that's something that hockey has, has taught me, you know, throughout the 24 years that, that I've been involved in the sport. So, you know, it's it's been awesome. And, and I'm definitely proud of, of the things I've been able to accomplish and excited to see where my, my career continues to take me. Kelsey Colzer, thanks so much for the time. This was great. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. And that will do it for this week's episode. Want to thank Kelsey Colzer, head women's ice hockey coach at Division Three Arcadia University, for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow this show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at One on One Pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about. Out.